Berkeley Sunday night or who had to steer clear of it on the road, to call them at 907-262-4453. And last up for today, an Alaska State Trooper waited nearly two years for a very personal verdict this week. Trooper Bruce Bruggeman was in court Tuesday when a Homer jury found 61-year-old Brett Herrick guilty of attempting to murder him. Well, I felt good about it. In an interview, Bruggeman recounted what happened that August 2021 day in Anchor Point. He says Herrick was wanted on warrants when he was spotted outside a grocery store. He wore like a black leather trench coat all the time, and he always wore lots of layers, carrying weapons, uh, swords, daggers. Uh, he wore a crown of thorns made out of bob, uh, barbed wire. Two troopers, including Bruggeman, were sent to arrest Herrick. Bruggeman arrived first. Bruggeman says Herrick tried to run when he approached. When Bruggeman tackled him to the ground, Herrick drew a pistol and opened fire. But he actually had a holster with a bayonet attached to it, too. Um, so he pulled out the gun and he just started uh, popping rounds off at me. Five rounds struck Bruggeman's left arm and torso, badly wounding him. He pulled out his sidearm and returned fire, but it jammed after two shots, both of which missed. Bruggeman ran around the corner of the building to cover from Herrick. It's still trying to watch him. He was trying to come back to finish the job, and I was yelling back at him. And that's when Sergeant Cox came pulling up. Troopers say Herrick fled, prompting an overnight manhunt before he was arrested. For Bergman, the shooting meant months of medical care. In my left arm, they were going to do an amputation, but they were able to save it. But to save it, they had to do many, many surgeries. I actually kind of lost count. Bruggeman says he still has nerve damage in his left arm, but he's back to regular duty this summer. He also has a new gun, although troopers offered him his old one. No, I declined because I'm superstitious. I think a lot of cops are. I'm like, I wouldn't want that gun back. Prosecutors say Herrick faces 7 to 99 years in prison on the attempted murder charge at his November 1st sentencing. That's the morning news for this Wednesday, July 26th. The time is 8.59 a.m. This is KBBI. You are listening in Homer on AM 890. And through translator K201AO in Seward on 88.1 FM. Stay tuned for a check of the bush lines coming up next, followed by the coffee table. It's 9 a.m. Taking a look now at the bush lines for today. 
There are no bush lines proper. On the ride lines, a ride is needed from Homer to Sheep Mountain, Saturday, August 29th. Returning August 31st, call Kara, 907-978-0285. And on the ride lines, a ride is needed for two people, Homer to Anchorage on July 31st. We'll share the usuals. Call 401-742-1570. This is KBBI. You're listening in Homer on AM 890 and in Seward on 88.1 FM through translator K201AO. Bush lines and information lines can be heard weekdays at 9 a.m. and 1 and 7 p.m. and on weekends at 10 a.m. and 1 and 7 p.m. To add or remove anything, call 907-235-7721, extension 229. Stay tuned for The Coffee Table, coming up next. It's 9.01 a.m. Good morning. This is KBBI Homer, AM 890 and K201AO Seward, 88.1 FM. The time is 9.03 AM, and this is the coffee table. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and the topic is ADF&G Brockfish Conservation Initiative. And in the studio, let's check some mics. Well, first mic to check is Mike Booze. (laughs) So would you mind introducing yourself as in terms of your position at ADF&G? Sure. So my name is Mike Booz. I'm the lowest recipient at Fort Fishery, and I'm here for the South Oklahoma office here. Well, it's so nice to meet you, and thank you for being here. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Next up is Janet Rumble. Hey, Good Kathleen. morning. Good morning, Kathleen. Um, I'm Jan Rumble, and I am the area manager um, for commercial fisheries, ground fish and shellfish in Prince William Sound and Cook Inlet. So thanks so much once again for coming in. And I'm going to pull up my notes on the, rock, the co- Rockfish Conservation Initiative and your presentation, but would someone just swing right into this and introduce the initiative and talk about, is it 2017 when it started, or is that, was that a different program? Yes, uh, Kathleen Jan Rumble again. And yes, yeah, so it started in 2017, so we've had about, um, 
you know, six, seven years of working together. And, and basically the Alaska Department of Fish and Game um, realized that um, we didn't really have overarching policies and uh, management plans for rockfish species in Alaska. And um, there was increased pressure on rockfish because of some of the um, like lower levels of king salmon and halibut harvest with um, right because halibut is not as abundant as it used to be. Yes, so the pressure was increased um, because of that on these other species, and because of the life history traits of rockfish, which include um, long-lived species, they are. Um, I learned that 121 years yeah, old it's for, yeah, uh, yellow for a yellow eye. Yeah, yep. And so that makes these species, um, you know, more vulnerable to overharvest. And as you said, many of them can live over between 60 and uh, 120 years. Um, and so we got this initiative together. We've been meeting a, a couple times a year with uh, 25 participants from commercial fisheries division and sport fish division together because we realize this is a species or a species group issue and not a divisional um, issue. So and we'll, we'll get into that a little yep. later, but it's you treat them completely differently. Yes. So, so much so that I didn't believe it when I was getting looking at the device for release. I'm like, this can't be right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that that we have had. Um, anyway, we'll we'll talk about the the divisional thing later with the different strategies we've been using, but. Um, bringing them together into this one group has been um, really great. And even during COVID, we still had our work group going. And well, we realized there was data gaps in, um, in, in, our, in, in some of the information that we have. So we had different groups, committees within the SRI, the State Fish Rock Fish Initiative. So it's SRI, um, and, and it is conservation-oriented. So... Um, but so these different committees kind of had different tasks, um, one of which was filling in these data gaps. We have a communications group which works with outreach. And you saw us uh, down at the docks a couple weeks ago. Mike and I were there with Ryan Reagan, who's our communications director for Sportfish. And we were trying to get out with the public and, and um, get information out about rockfish, give out our rockfish cards, which we have. And we have those in the office as well. We have some deep water release mechanisms. So um, that's one of the committees. Um, we have a stock assessment committee, which is just um, beginning to produce some results that are helping us um, and guiding us to some management decisions that are necessary for the conservation of rockfish. Well, we read the invitation or the community calendar announcement about the event at the boathouse, which is how I found out about it and couldn't wait to get down there. Also, the cards are really cool, <laughs> and you can't buy them. They're very exclusive. <laughs> yeah, they're free. <laughs> right. They, but you can't buy them. You no. You can't go to a store and get them. No, nope, but we will give them away, um, and you can come in the office and get them. I guess what I'm leading up to is how, how effective has it been? Have you been able to reach? I mean, of course, surely you, you want, of course you want to reach more people than you have, but how effective is it? How many, are you talking to a lot of people? We have many different, our communications committee has, def, has defined m different ways of, um, you know, getting the, the outreach, um, getting out to the public. And it includes, um, we re redesigned a page on our website that has different links to all the things that we're, we're doing. Um, and then we've had these, you know, outreach, um, you know, events like the one that we had down here. We have them in Juneau and Kodiak. 
Um, so those are a couple different ones. And then Ryan, uh, the communications uh, director, has been putting out things on Instagram. And we've had, we had a, didn't we have a show? Um, we've had different web-based um, informational things. I'll let Mike take over. He can fill in some of the gaps. I'm stuttering. <laughs> well, great. Pick it up, Mike. <laughs> how little we really knew about it, but recognized we needed to work together and collaborate to, to start assessing uh, these critters out there as, as harvest increased in the, the sport fisheries. You know, primarily we are pretty salmon focused, um, both sport and commercially at, at fishing game. And, and over time we've developed really good policies for uh, developing escapement goals for for salmon for for managing fisheries and we don't really have that with rockfish you know it the the assessment work is at a different level you know you can't just count all of the the spawner fish every year when it comes to rockfish and right so nobody's standing at a weir with a clicker yeah right yeah. and you know the um for ground fish typically the the, the Federal fisheries, the, their stock assessments, they're really robust and they have great modelers that work at figuring out sustainable harvest opportunities for those. And so we have um, partnered off and, and worked with the feds over time, you know, to kind of have state ground fish fisheries commercially. Um, but that was not in our wheelhouse. And so I think we've been, you know, kind of slowly developing this over time and, and recognize still that there's a lot for us to wrap our head around for, for doing this, this work. And so, yeah, I think the Rockfish Initiative um, is just really cool to see us collaborating at at regional and divisional levels. We, we, we get together at times, but I think this is a pretty unique thing within the department. Well, thanks for that. I want to focus on sport fishing and the deep water release mechanism. Yeah. I, I also wanna talk about stock assessments and I wanna talk about all that yeah. stuff, but I feel like the deep water release mechanism was one of the main things you really wanted to get into people's hands on the day that I was at the boathouse. So can we go into that a little bit? Also, yeah. but before you before you take ah. off, uh, Jimmy is on the phones. If you have questions for Jan Rumble or Mike Booz from Alaska Department of Fish and Game about the Rockfish Conservation Initiative, you can call 907-235-7721. Jimmy's standing by on the phones. Or you can just email me at Kathleen at kbbi.org, and I'll voice your question. But back to you, Mike Booz. Awesome. So... One thing with, with rockfish is they're, when they're caught at um, a deep depth, they'll experience barotrauma. They're, um, oh, like I, the bends. Yes, the yeah. bends, pretty much the same thing, but rockfish version. They're, these are highly How special. deep are they? Uh, I mean, it, depending on the species, right? But for something like yellow eye, very common to catch them between 200 and 600 feet, probably. Um, there's not a lot of that here in Cook Inlet, but Prince William Sound or the outer coast, the Barren Islands, that would be some place where you would have deeper water to, 
to catch yellow eye. And so um, for catching rockfish, uh, when they experience barotrauma, if you were to release them on the surface, they're not able to resubmerge themselves. And so release mortality would be really high. And so um, Brittany Blaine um, out of the Anchorage Sport Fish Group, she um, has done a bunch of studies in, in Prince William Sound using or looking at deep water releases for returning fish down to, to depth of capture. Um, and fascinatingly, so the survivability when the fish are yeah, returned what is the survival to the depth, rate? very high, depending on the species, like by 80, 50%, 80? No, 80 to 100%. Yeah, yeah. All right. Depending on the species. As long as they're still low in deep water when they're yeah, get them get them back down as fast as you can, and they will have a really good um, survival rate. And so um, that kind of transitioned us into recognizing, okay, harvests are going up. We need to be able to, you know, get people the opportunity to, you know, release these fish. And so the Board of Fish adopted a proposal to, um, or manipulated it, made it mandatory for all vessels fishing in salt sport fishing in salt water to have the device on board their boat and it we we started um, getting that word out and it took a couple of years but you know it, it's been required since 2020 um, and so like our event down at the harbor we were still bumping into people that didn't know that the device is required to be on board the boat um, so here in Cook Inlet you know for for Rockfish people primarily um, catch pelagic rockfish in shallow water, and the the need to release those fish at the depth of capture is still required in regulations. But the fish are—it's not something we really experience here. Um, the pelagic rockfish caught in shallow water, release at the surface, return and swim away. Um, so it's different here within Cook Inlet compared to other other places. I'm going to take a scene. brief moment to adjust your mic. <laughs> I thought it was going to move just like that. It was not. As you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there. Any better? better. Yes. Oh, <coughs> nice. All right. So thank you for that answer. Yeah. I, I think overall, um, you know, it, it's using a deep water release is just best practice, right? We all want to have these things um, be around indefinitely. And so um, this is just one way for us to, you know, kind of preserve what we have. And uh, do you mind if I ask, have you identified like a number of vessels you need to reach? Like how many, how many fishers do you need to reach with this? I mean, uh, essentially, all it's required. Right. Yes, <laughs> essentially, yes, yeah, yeah. And there's been really good feedback, I think, from um, just the general public and also the charter fleet. Um, you know, realizing that this is uh, for the longevity of the population. So, you know, everybody's on board with. No one wants to kill something that they're, you know, not intending to eat. And if there's a limit, we definitely want to make sure that if we go over the limit, that we're giving the ones that we throw back the biggest chance of surviving. And the, that research by Brittany was, I mean, some of the survival rates were up to like 98%, I think, mm -hmm. for silver grays, and that's amazing. So we have science to back it up. It's 
it's not just an idea, it's uh, scientifically proven. Well, thanks. I read in your literature that rockfish don't reproduce for meant for decades, right? They don't reach sexual maturity. I D took a, out of your uh, Yeah, I mean, it depends on the species. You know, yeah. here, here in Cook Inlet, we're primarily with, with black rockfish. Yeah. Uh, so that's a pelagic species that lives up in the water column. Um, and black rockfish uh, start reaching maturity probably at 10 years old. Black rockfish live up to 40 to 50 years old, kind of for the max age. So depends on the species. But the ones that are older most likely mature later as well. And I would like to, I guess, is there, what's the net? We'll review this again. But is there another time when people can meet up and talk with you, or do they just need to come into ADFMG office? I mean, if they have questions, or are there more events planned? Of, of course, we're we're always available to to talk at the office. I'll back um, that up because I'm from a fishing family, and <laughs> ADFMG is always on the ball. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, whenever you have questions about anything, we're we're there Monday through Friday, eight, eight to five. Um, fascinating what you'll see or, or hear when people have a question um, around town, what ends up getting asked of us at the office. It seems like anytime there's something going on around town, uh, people's first reaction is to call fishing game. Yeah, no matter what. The police or fishing game. <laughs> the police, the police. <laughs> And we also have, um, there, there are troopers, you know, um, checking boats to make sure that the deep water release mechanisms are on board. Um, so, you know, that's just another way of regulating um, this, you know, making sure the regulation is followed. Do you mind if I ask, how does the mechanism work? How is it set up? Like the mechanics of it. Uh, I saw it. It's a, the, it's a the possibilities are only limited by the imagination. I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, then the mic is yours. Uh, essentially, um, you just need to get the fish back down to to the the depth of capture, or at least a hundred feet. And so, anything that you can do to return that fish down there is really good. Brittany's favorite one is a milk crate with dive weights on top and a rope connected to it. So the fish is on the surface. She um, hovers the milk crate over top of it and pushes it down, has 100 feet of line. And once it's there, she brings it right back up. There's, there's nothing there. The, the commercially available ones, um, they have a, a spring in them that actually, it's like a clamp. You just hook it to the, the jaw. You add a bunch of weight to it. You lower it down with a fishing rod or a downrigger or a handheld line when it gets to the depth the pressure opens that that jaw that's holding it and the fish can swim away on its oh, so own so it's the pressure that works with the device yep. that then releases yeah. the fish and yeah. kathleen we have we have videos um on our website that you know show how these deep water mechanisms um can be used and so um if people are interested you know people it's always nice to see things in action um, those are available on our website, and Brittany actually was on the um, on the TV a couple weeks ago, um, showing it on. I think it was uh, KTUU. Um, they had a you know uh, an interview with her, and, and she demonstrated that that milk crate thing, um, which is very cool. Well, I will find those videos on the site. I have two links. 
for the Rock Fish Initiative. That and will I be yeah, I can send them to you as well. And I'll make sure that when we post this to the website that those links are there so people can follow them. That but awesome. but ADF and G is easy to find. Even if you don't follow our links, you c that's the state website is pretty easy to, to navigate. Yeah, these thanks. days. I, I was involved in redesigning <laughs> it. Oh, well, that's what I guess. Yeah. Well, then thank but you. Well, because I'm these not days, trying to it's it was a giant group of people of who helped redesign it. But um, yeah, we're, it's always nice to hear that because there have been some negative comments. It, so was, <laughs> never, it was never easy. And, no. and many things, I should probably stop talking, no, no, but many going. things on the state website have become more difficult yeah. to navigate, but ADF and G has become easier to cool. navigate. Well, that's great to hear. For the deep water releases, just getting back to that, um, for those that don't have a device, feel free, stop by the office. We do still have some that we didn't give away at our, our day down in the harbor. Um, they're basically little hooks that you add weight to that you would be able to hook straight to your fishing rod and lower it back down. So we do have some free devices to add. You need to add weight, of course, um, to it, but we do have some hooks for for uh, deep water releases to give away. So stop by the office, and we can get you one. Tell people where the office is located. We're located at three two nine eight Douglas Place, <laughs> behind Alieska Tire. Thank you. I, I I get caught in that trap all the time. Everybody knows where what we're talking about and where it is, and I always have to remind myself. The other thing I would like for you to introduce to people so that they can get their hands on it is the presentation that will be in links. Where is that? Have you just been on traveling on the road doing your road no, show, no. your rockfish road well, show? Well, I mean, it, so this is a this is a presentation that was put together by the communications committee, and um, I basically have reached out to all the different um, the different regions to get information. And each time we meet, I add new updated information to the presentation, so that so we're just constantly updating it. The idea behind the presentation is to for people to be able to look at it from the public, but also for people in different regions to pick and choose different slides that they can use if they want to do presentations. We have done something at the college. It was Martin, Schuster, Elisa, Russ, and I. Um, and, and so we highlighted commercial fisheries, sport fisheries, and just the general SRI. Um, part of it has been given to the AC uh, here. And advisory committee. And the advisory committee Thank to you. the, the uh, Alaska Department of Fish and Game. Um, and the Board of Fisheries has received some of it um, in you know, a presentation to them. So it's, it's something, it's a resource for the SRI to take in pieces or as a whole, and also just to, for general information to the public. And the only other thing before, there are some thi other things I want to ask, but I do want to know, is this, what kind of project is this? Does it have a set end date? Is this going to be an ongoing thing that develops into something else you're planning to? I mean, what's we have a strategic plan that, uh, that you know has like different kind of timelines, mm -hmm. you know, associated with it, and that's also available on the website for people to see. So, it there it has goals and objectives lined out with time associated with them. So well, it, it should go. I think it'll go on for a while. <laughs> and. I'd like to change focus to just talking about the rockfish as a species now. Um, if you could introduce the gentle rockfish. <laughs> and 20, also the 25 playing cards, of them. 20 the playing cards yes. are amazing. Yes. Because all the species are in there, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, go, take uh, it away, uh, okay. Jan. So it's introduce it. the well, gentle rockfish. Well, we rock have fish. 25 different species of rockfish in Alaska, and um, they have a variety of life history traits. Um, there's even a couple of them that don't have the swim bladder thing. They're a different, um, they're a different family. Um, so, so yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I'll let Mike take over after that. I mean, the obviously, there's we separate them into different categories: um, pelagics, uh, non and non-pelagics, um, demersal. Um, so, yeah, and they're grouped together uh, by uh, habitat. For here in Cook Inlet, we're primarily with pelagic rockfish. Usually uh, black rockfish. Usually black rockfish, but also darks and duskies. Um, so tell people what pelagic means. Pelagic means that they're they they are open open water fish, or they don't live on the bottom. They're not just associated with, um, you know, living bottom dwelling. Um, for here in, in Cook Inlet, our pelagic rockfish are are more associated with with kelp beds than than rocks necessarily and so places like um, bluff point from anchor point to bluff point along the kelp um, there or out towards seldovia along the kelp beds um, from there to the outer coast is the place that you would find pelagic rockfish here um, blacks are the most most common but um, yeah, the other species will just be mixed right in there with them. Very interesting that you've got these different species and they're just forming schools um, together. Um, typically in Cook Inlet, we see rockfish anywhere from, from 20 to about 120 or 150 feet deep. Um, places like Point Poughkeepsie out past Seldovia, amazingly, rockfish move around all the time. They'll be out there chasing forage fish or they'll be tucked into the kelp or, or they'll be down on the bottom. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they move a lot, although you tend to find them in the same places, um, not necessarily the exact same place, but in the same location. So they definitely have site fidelity and, and stay in these places. But we'll, we'll kind of come and go at times. The rockfish at, at Bluff Point um, seem fairly scarce in the wintertime, but then again in, in late spring, they, they show back up. So um, yeah, kind of interesting. So those, the, those are our rockfish inside Cook Inlet. Uh, we have very few non-pelagic rockfish here, those, you're more likely to find those in the deepest water that we have. And so Eldridge Passage area would- In the crags down yes, in there. Yes, yeah. Where, you lay, where yep. they lay down in yep. it. Yep, so, um, and then we have a variety of those species uh, here, um, but there's, there's very few non-pelagic rockfish within Cook Inlet. To get to non-pelagics, you, going to have to leave Cook Inlet and go to the outer coast. And you're going to experience, for the most part, sometimes you'll see um, coppers and quillbacks mixed in with pelagics too um, out um, at Point Poughkeepsie. But um, the more common non-pelagic species that we have here uh, most certainly are, are yellow eye. Um, those are the big orange ones that are really recognizable. So pretty. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. I'm not hating on the black rockfish. Right. The yellow but, are so Yeah, <laughs> they, they definitely capture the eye. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what else? Yeah, quillbacks and coppers would probably be the, the next two most common. And But they're, 
there you would see a variety of everything and people catch tiger rockfish seeing them um, seeing them in these waters yeah china rockfish so yeah i'm pretty much within the outer coast you're going to start to see the full gamut of the other species but our our two primary species that we've been focusing on with the rockfish initiative are our black rockfish kind of as the indicator for pelagics and yellow eye for for non-pelagics. So is the increase in rockfish catch because of the decrease in halibut stocks? Is that why? Within sport fisheries. Or, uh, and gaining sport fisheries. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, for sport fisheries, we kind of recognize that right away when um, the halibut catch sharing plan got um, implemented um, in 2013, which limited or had established a, a number of guides. So people that were sport fishing before guiding for halibut, anyone could do it. At, at that point, that was a break, and it said, okay, here's, here's the people that are getting permits to fish. And so at that point, halibut were starting to still very productive, but on a decline from when they were really high, highly productive in the late 90s to early 2000s. And so halibut with that started, the halibut guided sport fishing started to be more restricted and the guides started shifting more towards other species and rockfish was a, a part of that. Um, here in Cook Inlet in the, um, 2000s, we, there would be a few thousand rockfish harvested. Typically, um, they were caught as, as bycatch, mostly when fishing for, for king salmon, not really when fishing for halibut, and those fish would be released. Um, with that halibut catch sharing plan getting implemented, guides started adding in rockfish as a supplemental species to the day. Uh, you know, date for the trip instead of just focusing on on halibut. And then there started to be closure days as well where guides couldn't fish halibut at all. And so guides diversified and started fishing for salmon and, and rockfish on, on those days. And so um, in the last three years, um, uh, the rockfish harvest here in, in Cook Inlet is, was 300% higher than it was you know, before this halibut catch sharing plan got adopted. And so definitely paying very so they close are attention. they becoming a targeted yes. species so in that they, way. They, they're, still they're still supplemental, right? But it, it's, it's targeted effort now. They are, are purposely adding it in to the day, and, and, and people like them. I mean, I think when you have... They're delicious. I know. When you have a, a blackened rockfish or a rockfish taco, you're like, this is this is well, as good as it we gets. We prefer them to halibut in my house, but yeah. that's because halibut is cash. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> halibut tastes like money. I can't eat that. So, <laughs> yeah, that's just where we are here. Um, you know, rockfish, uh, you know, are... They're still really easy to catch, and there's there's lots of them. Just the harvest has increased, and so we're paying close attention to that. And this year, for the first time, prior to most of the, the uh, guided effort, we implemented a, a bag limit reduction here in Cook Inlet and the North Gulf Coast. So for here, the rockfish limit was five, and we reduced it to three just over concerns of you know, potential over-harvest. 
Um, and then this winter, uh, the Alaska Board of Fisheries will be here for in Homer in and Do you in have late that date off the top of your head? No, November. November 28th to yep. December 2nd. November um, so the, yeah, that'll be, I think it, I think the meeting's going to be at Land's End, yep. um, and rockfish are going to be on the agenda. So earlier you were asking, you know, when, when right. we're going to have more discussions on rockfish, that would be a really good one for people that are interested in the, the management side of these fisheries for rockfish yep. to, to hear more about that. And so the they proposal will book will be out, um, in probably mid-August or late August, and so people can review the proposals that will come in front of the Board of Fisheries. Um, and, you know, the Board of Fisheries is a public process that I think uh, Mike and I um, and many of our coworkers are proud of um, because things can change um, depending on, you know, what, the, what people are testifying and the opinions that they have and the information that they're sharing you're allowed to submit public testimony, um, and then you're allowed to provide a written, you know, comments. And so it's a very public process. There's a committee that you know is is held, and and everybody who's there can can talk. And also, so they're pretty helpful, like yep. helping you figure yes. out how to participate. We are, you know, we Mike and I and other people in the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. Um, our jobs are to help people, um, even if we're not supporting a proposal, develop proposals so that it speaks to the correct regulatory language and so that the, the language that they're using is proper for trying to uh, make change. Even if we're not, as a department, going to support it, it's our job to help, and, and we take that very seriously. Um, you know, I, Kathleen, I did want to mention I don't want people to think that we're hiding the fact that we do have a commercial fishery for It's on the agenda. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, can I speak about it now or do you want me to wait? Well, you can say whatever you like, but in just a moment we're taking a two-minute dance break. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't prepare anything for that. You're not ready to dance? <laughs> It'll no, be fine. No I'm one can see you. But uh, so I'll just put another plug in Go for ahead. the Board of Fisheries meeting. So, you know, let just in terms of the way that the Board of Fisheries operates, you know, um, the first part of the Board of Fisheries meeting will be presentations given by us. Um, and then the second part of the meeting will be public testimony. Each person can come up and talk for three minutes and they can address the certain, the different proposals that and what they're, um, if they support or, you know, don't support them. Um, and then the committee, um, and that's where everybody kind of talks, people get the microphone and they can talk again. And then the board will go into deliberations on each of the different proposals. So that's how the meeting is gonna go. And um, it's usually online as well, like streamed online. So you can pay attention to what's going on. You know when you need to be down there. And the board members are available to talk to people from the public. You know, there's a line that they can't cross. Um, but when you're, you can be called into that line to talk to the different board members and to all, we are always available to talk to um, members of the public. Hey, that's Janet Rumble from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game and Mike Booz. And this is the coffee table. I'm Kathleen. It's 9.36 a.m. We're, it's the two minute dance break. <laughs>
time is 9.39 a.m. This is the coffee table on KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and the Rockfish Conservation Initiative is the topic today. Janet Rumble and Mike Boos from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game Homer office are uh, in the studio. I want to start... I want to start just, first of all, thank you for including KBBI in your plans to get information out. We really appreciate it and so much want to be a part of it that you guys make it easy. Um, I want to change the subject a little bit because we've been talking about sport fishing almost exclusively. And Jan Rumble, can you talk about the commercial regs and the com the relationship between the commercial fishing industry and rockfish. Sure. Um, just to be totally transparent, we do have a um, commercial fishery for pelagic shelf rockfish, PSR we call it. And uh, it, it's generally like it goes on on the North Gulf Coast, but there's some fishing in um, more in the inside. Um, so we have a um, regulation that we can only catch 150,000 pounds of rockfish um, commercially and annually. Um, but in, in recent years, we haven't come close to that at all. Um, in the last five years, we've been below, um, you know, about 66,000 pounds. So um, there's trip limits that are involved with this commercial fishery, and it's primarily black rockfish. Um, but there are other darks and duskies caught with that. And, um, and so it's a, it's a jig fishery. Um, so it's jigging is, is war or, um, or um, hand in line or, you know, trolling, um, considered the same. Um, so, and then also another element uh, to commercial fishing for rockfish is um, that there are people who are doing uh, Pacific cod fishing, for long with long line or halibut fishing with long line or sable fish fishing with long line. There's bycatch limits associated with the ground fish fisheries for rockfish. And so those um, bycatch limits are, um, you know, ad adhered to any amount uh, over that those fisheries go with rockfish bycatch is the, um, the proceeds of that go to the state of Alaska. So that's kind of encouraging people if they're... Does it go to ADF and G? Does it go to a general... Fun? I can't. You don't know. I, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. I no, no, no. It's it's good. I think it. Uh, yeah. I, can, I just I can heard say people that asking I, that question in their that, heads. That, as that you is said a that. great question. <laughs> it doesn't end up back here. Yeah. It's uh. It doesn't go into our um. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I don't know exactly where it goes, but the the purpose of it really is to discourage people from going over those bycatch limits. And then certainly if they continue to do that, there can be enforcement action. So there's, um, but there are markets for rockfish. And I think that, you know, you kind of mentioned it, but uh, you know, it, there are local um, markets for rockfish and we can see it in our restaurants. Right, a few places serve yep, all yep. kinds of uh, different preparations for rockfish. Yeah, and a, another element to our management plan is we have mandatory retention of rockfish in the commercial fisheries. Yeah, and that's so what confused me when yep. I looked at the sport regulation. Yeah, <laughs> the so, water release so there's no deep water release for rockfish in the commercial fishery. Uh, unfortunately, we, we don't have um, 
we ha there's no research or anything that you know with like just that kind of level of releasing rockfish at this time. So uh, mandatory retention, and so everything that is caught must be um, brought aboard and accounted for on fish tickets. You know, fish tickets are the way that we account for all of our um, harvest in the commercial fisheries and their legal documents. And so anything that's caught and brought up, um, you know, in terms of rockfish is accounted for and speciated on each of the uh, fish tickets that's, um, you know, brought in and, and sold. Um, so, so yeah, those are just some of the elements um, of our commercial rockfish fishing. Well, thanks. I would like to remind listeners we're just about at last call for questions and comments. Jimmy is standing by on the phones, and you can call and take your question to air by calling 907-235-7721. That's KBBI's number. Or you can email your question to Kathleen at kbbi.org. So it's come, this is the time of uh, the show every week when I ask the exact same question, what have I left out? <laughs> I would like to know what, uh, it's, uh, it's also pretty much time just to re remind people of if you are sport fishing, get your deep water release mechanisms at ADF and G behind Alyeska Tire. Yep. And we have our free rockfish cards that we developed, and um, they have life history traits of each of the different rockfish species that you find in Alaska on the cards. They're very beautiful. Um, the artwork is, is amazing. It's been pulled from um, several different places. And just in terms of artwork, um, I, I just wanted to say that Ray Troll's been a really big supporter of um, you know, rockfish conservation, and he's actually... Uh, did a little video. You could look up Ray Troll and Rockfish and see a video about the deep water release mechanisms. And this was years ago. And we hooked up with Ray Troll um, to talk to him about how he could help us. And he's donated the use of some of his artwork that in, that has Rockfish in it um, for us to use in our you know promotion of Rockfish conservation. So we want to send a big thank you to Ray Troll um, for supporting this initiative and, and to letting us use some of this artwork because it's so amazing. So Well, I got, I got a question on my, to text, I got a question through my cell phone on text, which I did not invite people to do, but still. <laughs> um, nonetheless. <coughs> nonetheless. Welcome to the club. Uh, <laughs> how do you determine a rockfish's age? Can you... Can you explain that? Yes, um, we have. Yeah, a, so are we you have a bones out of their ears. Yeah. No? Yes, and yep. and I, I forgot to mention we forgot this, but we have a very robust port sampling program with sport fish and commercial fisheries, yeah. where we take um, biological information from rockfish that that are harvested, and so. Um, that means taking length and weight and eventually getting the otolith, which is, helps us to determine their age. And that's actually used... And the otolith is the ear bone. Yes, right? and it's, you know, it's like rings of a tree. You can, put, you can slice it and put it under a microscope and figure out how old they were. Using this inf information has been very helpful for us in our stock assessment. Um, and that's, you know, that's the that part of the our rockfish initiative has been determining where we are at this point in time. Um, and this, the otoliths and our port sampling program has have been integral um, with uh, determining our stock status. And then the other question that I have for you is, 
where is this data available that you're collecting available for people to sift through? For sport fisheries, uh, all of our harvest um, and biological trends are in our area management report. Um, the 22 area management report will be available by the Board of Fish meeting, and there's a pretty healthy um, discussion on all of the rockfish um, sport harvest that's been happening here in Cook Inlet for that. So that one's not quite out yet, but will be um, the older version is available on, on our website. If you go to the e-library, you can, you can find it. But yeah, um, for the area management reports would, would have those, those details. And we will have one, too, that will support um, the Board of Fisheries meeting. You'll be presenting on yes. this topic? Yes. yes. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, the, I, I suppose that's really I, what I'd like to do now is turn the mic over to each of you one at a time, one at a time, um, and uh, to have you reiterate anything that you feel like needs repeating, remind people of how to get what they need in order to participate, and and make any final comments you would like to make. May I start with you, Mike? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was just thinking a little bit about, um, you know, people actually catching rockfish here um, when sport fishing, um, whether you um, intend to or not. Uh, you know, rockfish are a great fish to, to actually target and catch. Um, couple of great things about rockfish one is you, you can you typically can find them in the same places and so if you have a, a depth finder a fish finder on your boat there they don't move super fast and so like as you're trolling along looking for king salmon and you see a small school of fish on your your depth finder you know those are rockfish you mm -hmm. can <laughs> lower lower your troll gear and and uh and and try to catch them so um, but jigging's also really good and uh, a good way to catch um, rockfish for the places where, where they are. So both trolling and jigging work pretty great. Um, you can use anything from uh, a standard bait or just a, a leaded jig um, uh, for trolling. Spoons work fabulously. Um, tube flies, you know, and they'll, they'll bite almost anything. I, I know a lot of... Uh, the, our, our uh, colleagues that fish for rockfish out in Prince William Sound, they like to fly fish for them mm -hmm. even. so. Um, I, I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They're, That's a fun image right pretty, now. I've got in my head. They're pretty fishy folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, fun, they're, they're fun to well, they're so add into the day. though. Are they, are they not, sporty? Not, ne not necessarily <laughs> oh, the right, pelagics. Right. So, you know, if you go to you know, a rocky structure and, you know, there's pelagics up in the water column, that's your, that's your opportunity. Most certainly can catch pelagic rockfish at the surface when um, they're schooling and pushing forage fish up to the surface. They will be all the way at the surface at times. Okay, thanks. That's Mike Booz from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game Homer office. Jan Rumble? Yes, I, I just want to put a plug out for our statewide rockfish initiative and kind of tie it into our community here in Homer because we have such a 
a robust community here. But oh, thank you. Go ahead and make that connection. <laughs> I mean, we're we want to conserve rockfish, and we're so we're trying to get people to um, to really buy into this idea that we would like them to to have them in the future and to do this, um, you know, following the regulations, doing what we ask, and um, being part of the team that is going to conserve rockfish is what we're asking. Okay, well, thanks for that. And I'm looking at your rockfish presentation. You, you'll be able to, uh, listeners will be able to access all this stuff by tomorrow when it's all on the website and shared out to uh, platforms. But I'm looking that it says 10 meetings, two per year for the work group. How far down the line are we in that process? Oh, yeah, though no, that's how many we've had. Oh, yes. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, that's how many we've had. And we, we have committed to meeting um, twice a year in some form. A lot of it has been because of budgets. We've just decided to have one in-person meeting per year, and then the other one is virtual. And then the committees are meeting, like our communications committee is meeting every month. So um, just to keep things fresh, because everybody's into Instagram and you know, just things that are like there with visuals. And so um, our communications guy, Ryan, is just on it. And um, he keeps us really um, just you know out in front. Another thing that we did do um, last year is we had a stakeholder meeting where we had different stakeholders um, who were uh, involved with rockfish fishing, whether it was charters or commercial, and that was statewide, and that went, that had some really good results. Um, so um, yeah, I'm just that was one thing that I forgot to mention. We were involved, we're involved with a um, social scientist from the University of Washington, and she's been helping us with some of these some of these um, stakeholder meetings. So that's been super cool. And um, yeah, it's made us have a broader, just reaching out b more broadly. And any other like collaborations that are going on? You said University of Washington? Yes, Ann Baudreau is, is the gal who's a social scientist. So um, yeah, I mean, we we're, we're open to collaborating. We've I've talked to Sea Grant before. We've you know, we're up for anything. So if people want to collaborate, they just need to let us know and, and we can provide lots of different things, whether it's the cards or, um, you know, the presentation um, or uh, other dif different documents that we have. We would love to share. Well, thanks. That's Janet Rumble from the Alaska Department of Fish and Game Homer office. Thanks to Mike Booz. Thank from you. the same office. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm Kathleen. Kathleen came to our Rockfish Day. We were stoked. I was all in on those cards. <laughs> I really like them. And just in case you want to know, like you can you can play cards with these. These aren't just trading cards. Yes, right. They are they are a deck of cards. You can play cribbage. You can play rummy. Whatever. You can play all night poker with these cards. <laughs> all night poker. And uh, the design is really pretty on them. And I had fun with the gadget, the deep. Yeah, yeah, deep water the release. deep water release mechanism, but that was just I had to sit down with my fisherman husband and have him explain to me that no, no, I don't need this. <laughs> 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 so this has been the coffee table, and you will be able to see hear a rebroadcast of this program, or you'll be able to access this program at kbbi.org. Ooh, sometime early tomorrow. And thanks for tuning in. This, ha this is KBBI Homer, AM 890, and K201AO Seward, 88.1 FM. 
I will keep watching for more information and maybe see you at the Board of Fish in November. Sounds great. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. I'll be back in just a moment with the weather. Time is 9.55 a.m. Right now in Homer, sunny skies and 59 degrees. In Seward, it's cloudy and 54. And also, Anchor Point, sunny skies and 54 degrees. In Seldovia, it's sunny and 60 degrees. And in Kenai, fog and 55. For the Seward area this afternoon, mostly sunny skies, isolated showers and a high of 55 degrees. South wind 5 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy skies with isolated showers and a low of 52 degrees. South wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. In Homer this afternoon, sunny skies and widespread haze. A high of 63. West wind 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy skies with widespread haze in Homer. A low of 51 degrees. Southwest wind 5 to 10 miles per hour, becoming light and variable. The next turn of the tide is Seward District Low Tide at 1.54 p.m. That's a 3.2-foot low on Resurrection Bay. Seldovia District Low Tide is coming up at 2.46 p.m., a 5.7-foot low on Kachemak Bay. And on Kachemak Bay, the marine forecast calls for south wind today 10 knots, becoming southwest 15 knots in the afternoon, seas 2 feet, and haze. Tonight, southwest wind 10 knots, seas 2 feet, haze. Thursday, variable wind less than 10 knots, seas 2 feet, and haze. And on Resurrection Bay today, variable wind less than 10 knots, becoming south 10 knots in the afternoon, seas 2 feet, haze. Tonight, south wind 10 knots in the evening, becoming variable less than 10 knots, seas 2 feet, and haze. And on Thursday on Resurrection Bay, south wind 10 knots, Seas two feet and haze. Seward sunrise was at 523 this morning, sunset tonight at 1042 p.m. for 17 hours, 18 minutes of daylight. And in Homer today, sunrise was at 536 a.m., sunset at 1047 p.m. for 17 hours, 11 minutes of daylight. KBBI's July Board of Directors meeting was postponed. The July meeting will be held today at the station at 5.30 p.m. 
KBBI is located at 3913 Kachemak Way, just across the street from the downhill side of Homer City Hall. To join in virtually, use the link available at kbbi.org, or you can email josh at kbbi.org and have a link sent to you. The Kenai Peninsula Borough Office of Emergency Management is installing new emergency sirens starting with Kachemak Bay. The contractor will be conducting a live audio test on each new siren as they are installed. Office of Emergency Management will be adding a new siren in Homer off Kachemak Drive and one in Anchor Point located at the Solid Waste Transfer Site. There will also be a public outreach campaign through the end of August reminding residents of the installs in their area. You can follow the installation schedule and progress on the Office of Emergency Management's Facebook page at KPB Alerts. The installation project for the next week, today and tomorrow at the Homer Ice Rink, July 28th and 29th at Mariner Park in Homer, July 31st through August 1st in Nonwalik, and August 2nd and 3rd in Port Graham. This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM. The time is 10 a.m. Line 1 Health from the Alaska Public Radio Network is coming up next. Good morning. Today's episode of Line 1, Your Health Connection, was pre-recorded. We will not be taking phone calls or emails during the show. Welcome to Line 1, Your Health Connection. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Clark. Colorectal cancer accounts for 9% of all cancers. It is the third most common type of cancer and the fourth most common cause of death. Beating this cancer is highly dependent on catching it early, and this is done through screening. What are the modifiable and non-modifiable risk factors for colon cancer? What are the current screening guidelines? Is colonoscopy the only option? Today on Line 1, we will be discussing colon cancer and screening with gastroenterologist Dr. Doug Hagigi. 